Hello and welcome. I'm Chelsea, certified mermaid, diver, and science communicator. And I'm Blake, scuba dive master, freediving instructor, and also a science communicator. We've created the Save the Mermaids podcast to connect ocean lovers from across the seven seas who have a desire to protect our waters and learn to live in sync with nature. Save the mermaids, save the seas. Let's dive in. And now for our happy ocean news. Yay! So this comes again from Only One on Instagram, who we just love. Shout out. Shout out to Only One. Um, They have a little highlight here that says, quote unquote, spider webs are healing Indonesia's coral reefs. So going into that a little bit. I know what you're thinking. (laughs) I thought the spiders can't breathe underwater. There are no ocean spiders that I'm aware of that are helping coral reefs. I'm really glad I don't have to worry about them while I'm diving. Well, yeah, but now that we're thinking about it, I'm going to think about it. Yeah. Did I ever tell you before you read this about the time a cockroach crawled onto my mask? (gasps) Yes. While I was diving. I think about it all the time. I still have like phantom, phantom, like crawling. So what happened was I was swimming laps and I had the mask on and it literally, it must've been drowning and it crawled onto my mask. So I just see a cockroach at the top corner of my mask. And then it crawls right down onto the eyeglass. So of course I lose my shit because who is looking for big ass Hawaiian cockroaches, like the giant ones in the middle of the ocean. That is literally what my nightmares are made Yeah. Of. So no joke. I feel this, the right side of my face, maybe every five minutes while I'm diving now just in case <laughs> I think about that all the time now. and I hope our listeners do too I know misery loves company yeah ruined it Ugh. okay spider webs the spider webs okay uh yeah so um a small scale project in Indonesia is actually using lightweight cast iron rods that are in the shape of spider webs ah. yeah so no wonder no deep sea spiders involved <laughs> Um, and they're supporting newly grafted coral. So um, they're repopulating the corals by giving them something to latch onto. Oh, nice. In the shape of a spider web. It's actually just cast iron rods. But the team is already seeing success in efforts to restore the coral reefs damaged by blast fishing. Yay. Where is this? Um, Indonesia. Oh, I'm like, who does blast? But that makes sense. They're yeah. also the shark fishing capital of the world I know that's I'm glad that there are little efforts here and there but I I have seen this similar idea in other places yeah so and it's obviously working and I remember when we were talking to um Shelly from the thousand mermaids project Mm -hmm. it's very similar they're giving the coral somewhere to live right and then rather than looking for rocks to transplant it onto just give it a rock yeah exactly give it a rock give it a rock (laughs) (laughs) okay so I'm excited for today (laughs) this is something we talked about doing and we're actually doing it yes so shout out to everybody who is like we want to hear about nautiluses Mm. Sounds amazing. I thought that it was going to be super cool because it's ancient. You see a ton of them, like, you know, it's, it's, it's like the primordial ooze type of time with the comb jellies and the Nautilus. Like that's what you imagine, right? Yeah. And they're just cool looking. They are. So it was really interesting to research some things. 
<laughs> made me giggle. <laughs> I'm like, anyways. Um, but so they're also related to octopuses and squids. They're cephalopods. So I thought maybe they would be super smart and that's why they've survived all this time. Um, that's not the case. Oh no. Well, because we just did cuttlefish who are related and they're crazy smart. Yeah. Yeah. And so we're octopus and squid. These are like the not. dumb cousin yeah I was like can I say that I was gonna say that exactly. um yeah so there is nothing going on and now that I think about it like usually the newer species are the smarter ones like the ones that live that long and they don't evolve like the ancient ones that don't evolve that's the type of animal that just stays like a comb jellyfish. It doesn't have a brain. It just does its thing. It can have a ton of babies all at once. And it has a very specific way of living. I, maybe there's something to that. Mm -hmm. Like you just figure it out and you do your thing and then you live billions and billions of years. Yeah. They're not evolving. They're just they're not stressed out about trying to learn new things. They just, they're like, oh, it's worked for my great, 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 great grandma. <laughs> it's working for me. <laughs> so that's a peek into the brain of a uh, Nautilus, if you will. Okay. <laughs> so they are living fossils. Um, they've been on the planet for uh, the last 500 million years with zero adjustments in their appearance. Whoa. 500 million to give you an idea the first sharks came on the scene at what 250 million years or so zero change to nothing that is some evolutionary like perfection is it well i don't know you know (laughs) tell us (laughs) um oh to give you an idea of where that is in time nautilus has occupied the earth 265 million years before dinosaurs showed up yeah and just keep in mind, humans are like what three hundred thousand years old, like humans themselves. Yeah, yeah. So two hundred sixty-five million years before dinosaurs, and they look the exact same. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's pretty interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so there are six recognized species. Uh, the chamber nautilus, the nautilus pompilius, is hands down the most famous of all of these cephalopods. They're the ones with the orange bands. Um, they share their genus with three other species known as the palau, the belly button, <laughs> <laughs> and white patch nautiluses. The belly button. <laughs> <laughs> um, there is a potential fourth nautilus, uh, Rapertus, though most scientists believe that it's actually just a really giant chambered nautilus. So scientists are debating right now if they want to call it their own little family. Uh, Meanwhile, the lesser known Elan Nautilus genus contains two rarely seen species that like nobody ever talks about. Um, (laughs) So these guys have a shell that measures up to 10.6 inches in diameter. Whoa. Yeah. Chambers. That's for the largest, the chambered Nautilus. Yeah. That's big. It's like a foot. So when you see the big Nautilus shells, like it shell stores and stuff, that's these guys. These like 10, 10 inch ones. Okay. Um, the belly buttons, their shells (laughs) max out at 6.3 inches in diameter. They're the smallest. Okay. So anywhere from 10 to six inches. Uh, let's see range wise. These animals are all restricted East West within the waters between Samoa and the Philippines and North South between Japan and Australia. So very much like 
southeastern sea okay kind of thing are you looking at pictures of them yeah just I like to look at what these things look like as we talk about them Mm because then you get to learn a little more about the little parts yeah I'll be posting a lot of videos about how fun they are too got weird eyeballs they're goofy and they're really dumb have you ever seen one no me neither I've never been diving in a place where they are uh, they can be found in tropical waters of the Indian and Pacific seas, close to the coral reefs, near depth areas of 300 to 600 meters. So they're a deep sea animal. Yeah, it's pretty deep. Nautilus, uh, like most marine species these days, are affected by overfishing and by the fact that their beautiful shells are sold as ornaments. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so definitely don't buy them in the store, even though I have done that. Don't buy shells I in store. Didn't know. <laughs> oh, I know it's really hard. Yeah, but now everybody knows exactly. So unlike its fellow cephalopod, the octopus, the Nautilus has terrible memory. <laughs> They're literally just like, maybe that's why they've lived so long is they're just like the degaff of the seas. Like, meh, you hurt my feelings and and you hurt my what? (laughs) Oh, hi. What did you do? Uh, Yeah. So that's a Nautilus. From the meaning of certain symbols to how to open childproof lids, an octopus can remember a lot and they retain a lot of knowledge for the long term for Mm -hmm. their entire lives. Nautiluses, in contrast, aren't regarded as being bright at all. (laughs) In fact, until recently, it was believed that they weren't capable of forming any memories whatsoever. Oh, like they couldn't. We used to think they couldn't even remember it if they ate five seconds ago. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So little buddies. I know. They're special. Marine wow. biologists Robin Cook and Jennifer Basil of Brooklyn College and the City University of New York, respectively, wondered if their assumption was true. So in 2008, the pair trained captive nautiluses to associate a flashing blue light with food. After a while, the animals did react uh, whenever the signal came on, spreading their arms in eager anticipation. <laughs> However, they stopped doing so the following day. Um, so what we're assuming is that they probably forget everything every day every 24 hours or so just like the tiniest little memory yeah so it took them a whole day to learn about the blue light and then they're like what the fuck is that <laughs> <laughs> wow nautilus Tommy. i know <laughs> blake and chelsea here we are so excited to announce that we are now a positive impact partner with waterlust Waterless creates eco-responsible sun protective apparel to help fund, research, and educate the world about environmental conservation. We've been carefully searching for companies to support, and we truly believe that Waterlust and Save the Mermaid's visions are in complete alignment. They have leggings, sunsuits, and tons of other clothing options in the coolest patterns you'll ever see, like the whale shark pattern, the parrotfish pattern, the abalone pattern. <laughs> we, ha- we seriously can't pick a favorite. <laughs> no. <laughs> we love to rep it, especially while we're out on the water. Go to our website, www.mermaidconservation.com, and click on the Waterlust clothing tab to support your favorite causes, your favorite podcast, and look sexy as fuck doing it. But please, seriously, make sure you go through our website so that we can get some street cred and some snacks. Uh, They're relatively long-lived. 
So squids and octopuses usually don't live long lives. In fact, most die after just two or three years. Mm -hmm. But by comparison, the Nautilus, they literally look like Methuselah. Their 17-year-old specimens have been caught and biologists theorize that some can be surpassed 20 years old. And they're just bebopping the whole time. Don't remember a thing. <laughs> 20 years of life. Don't remember what happened. How old am I? Whatever. <laughs> Maybe that's why they live so long. They forgot, yeah. like, forgot to die. No burdens, like yeah. no problems. <laughs> All right. Okay. I'm getting on board with yeah. this. <laughs> uh, interesting fact, Nautilus's shells implode at a certain depth. Oh, no. They get so deep, though. Yeah. Well, not that deep in terms of the actual, how deep the ocean well, yeah. is, right? Uh, so nautilus are usually found between 500 and 1,000 feet below the surface, and within that range, their shells hold up really well. But going too deep can be a fatal mistake. Um, for chambered nautiluses, 2,575 feet appears to be the limit. Uh, during one 19 people in the 1980s, Ugh. scientists were insane. Science was real sketchy there. For Ugh, a from yeah. like the yeah. So during one 1980 experiment, a captive specimen was subject to the amount of pressure that it would naturally encounter at this depth. Moments later, the shell imploded, killing the creature instantly. Oh yeah. Ugh. So they can't go too deep, but do you know why they got air in their bodies? Because why else would they implode? Oh yeah, they have an air so they have a bcd like we do in scuba oh my gosh just like the cuttlefish uh-huh. it's all coming again you see it you see it um they are the only creature known to trap an air bubble from the surface so they're called an argonaut uh so oh. they literally go up to the top take a little circle and then they just use that for their for their life well they're not that dumb then well they just have to remember one thing <laughs> One, you had one job yeah <laughs> so they swim to the surface suck in some air from small vents on the top of their shells close the holes with a tentacle before turning upside down and pushing themselves below the surface where they reach neutral buoyancy allowing them to swim effortlessly cool yeah they even they cover their little air hole with their tentacle that's pretty neat like a little top hat oh, that makes me want to go there and like see one come up for air <laughs> right i don't think it happens often because they use that air for quite a while um but nautilus shells have a series of chambers connected by the siphuncal a tube made of tissue siphuncal oh okay uh a newborn nautilus starts life with four chambers adding more as it grows adults have about 30 on average whoa that's a big growth yeah okay they start out with four uh the chambers contain a mixture of gas which is from the surface and seawater and the siphuncal regulates how much of each is present within the chambers at any given time uh, if the Nautilus wants to descend, the siphuncle makes the, makes that happen by pumping sodium and chlorine ions into the chambers. Extra water then enters these compartments thanks to osmosis, making the animal less buoyant and the Nautilus sinks. So to reverse this process and travel upward, the siphuncle simply removes ions from the chambers and water consequently flows into the mantle cavity. As it leaves, gas bubbles start to diffuse, which lightens the shell. Now that sounds super smart, but honestly, it's a really weird Nautilus fart. (laughs) Like the Nautilus isn't in control of it. It's like, I want to go down and its body just goes down. So like when I got a fart, it just just farts. That's what's happening in the Nautilus's brain during this time. Uh, I biology is so interesting it is like how one little part of its body can figure out what all of these little different chemicals are to make it go 
to greater depth is crazy. Yeah. Well, it needs the body to do it because his brain's not. Yeah. <laughs> <doing it. laughs> you can't rely on it on its brain. No. Uh fun fact, chamber nautiluses have up to 90 arms. That's so many arms. Oh my gosh. I could just picture like they're all super close together and none of them move. Yeah. It's just it's too many arms. <laughs> Uh, that's kind of what it is. So they're short clustered limbs. They help ensnare fish, crabs, and carrion upon which the cephalopods dine. Uh, <laughs> speaking of mealtime, hungry nautiluses use scent to track down food because they can't really see. Uh, they lack eye lenses. So their eyes are more like pinhole cameras, which according to the book Animalize forces them to choose between <laughs> unusably dim or unusably bur- blurred so they have to choose between light or blurriness oh i know oh no <laughs> yeah okay <laughs> uh they use adhesives to grab things because you know they're like octopuses and squid yep. um but octopuses and squids employ suckers and hooks which nautiluses lack instead their arms are coated with a really sticky substance and that helps to ensnare their prey they also have tiny hairs called cilia that helps form viscous pads near the appendage's tips. Okay. Like a cell. There's a little cilia in the cell. Huh. Yeah. Uh, some species protect themselves with slime. <laughs> They're weird, right? Why is there so much slime in the sea? There's a lot of slime. There's a lot of slime. Yeah, it's pretty gross. Ugh. They like to be slippery. Uh, <laughs> this is hilarious. I love scientists. <laughs> in, it's really a very cool way not to get eaten quote, earth scientist Peter Ward (laughs) told Life Science. Last August, the University of Washington professor became the first person in 31 years to spot a rare nautilus species. That's the Alonatus scrobicotilus. Wow, Uh, good job. Thank you. I just rolled right through that. (laughs) It's easily recognized due to its odd defense mechanism, which is thick, slimy fuzz that coats the animal's shell making it too slippery for many fish and other predators to bite onto. Whatever works. Thick and slimy, baby. (laughs) Billions of years. Yeah. (laughs) Still just thick and slimy. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Chambered nautilus eggs are the largest of any known cephalopod. They got big eggs. So most cephalopod eggs are incredibly small. Uh, those laid by the 50 pound giant Pacific octopus, for example, are about as big as a grain of rice. So usually they're very what? tiny. They're yeah. so little. Uh, around an inch long. Um, for the chamber nautilus eggs, it totally dwarfs the competition, like a whole inch for a nautilus. Whoa. Using her tentacles, a female will affix the eggs to a hard surface where they'll hatch between nine and 12 months later. They just bail? They just, yeah. They just okay. pop them out. Uh, they're nocturnal hunters. They spend their days at depth and then they move towards the shallow water to hunt when the sun goes down. Uh, we don't know much about their mating and reproductive habits, which is kind of silly because they've been around for 500,000 years. <laughs> like, it's not like we haven't had the opportunity. So it's clearly working for them. Um, but they mate only once a year. I oh. figure they would just be popping them out if they've been around so long. Like just the comb like- jellyfish is like, I can just make babies with myself. Right. Yeah. Um, 75% of Nautilus caught to be studied are male and only 25% are females and researchers don't know why. 
Hmm. And there I, are lots of theories I already came up with. <laughs> yeah. And like, maybe the women are a lot deeper. Maybe it's sexual, di- whatever it's called, where they, where they change, like in the parrotfish dimorphism. Yeah. Is that right? I think that that is a word. It's a word, yeah. but I don't know if it just means that like the boys and the girls look different. I think that's what it is. Oh, um, but maybe, maybe it's depth. Maybe there just aren't as many females, but that wouldn't make sense. Cause there are so many, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Well, they only, yeah. would you say they only mate once a year? Yeah. So yeah, maybe there's just no females to mate with. Yeah, I don't know. Or maybe they're smarter and are staying like deeper or like maybe all of the females are super deep and they have their own colony because they're all the smart ones <laughs> and all the ones studied were not that smart. And they're the dudes a little bit closer to the surface mm, in a, like this. Yeah. Like a hidden, hidden cave, a Nautilus cave. Yeah. That's what I'm going to go with. That's okay. my theory same <laughs> also another weird thing because they've been around for 500,000 years nautilus is nautiluses are not evaluated by iucn so we don't give them a if they're endangered or not well just because we refuse or because they're they're just not we just they just don't know they're hard to they're hard to study because they're so deep but huh. a lot of deep sea creatures were like I guess that's true. Yeah. yeah. A lot of the rare ones, we have really no idea yeah. how they're doing. Uh, we do know that they are getting harder and harder to catch for scientific research. Um, so that means that there's definitely a population reduction in different habitat areas where people used to fish for them. Mm. Uh, humans search for them to obtain beautiful shells that can only be used as ornaments as well as souvenirs. Um, and shell collectors is definitely their biggest threat. It's not going to be food. It's not really going to be overfishing because they're so deep. Nobody's fishing that deep anyways it's definitely just for the shells oh don't buy shells okay (laughs) (laughs) it's so hard they like they always have beautiful ones but i always think about it like don't it's definitely a wild like you can't really i don't know it's hard to farm an animal that likes to hang out that deep right yeah like you'd have to catch a bunch yeah because they're not reproducing at any kind of good rate Mm -hmm. yeah that's tough yep Mm. living fossils Thanks so much for diving in with us today. Please make sure to follow us on Instagram at Save the Mermaids Podcast. Visit our website at www.mermaidconservation.com for all the podcast merch and our eco-friendly favorites. And don't forget to join our Facebook community, Save the Mermaids Podcast Community. This is where we will post our monthly meetups, share our favorite underwater adventures, and connect with like-minded ocean lovers all over the world. Until next time, mermaids!